the ceremonious checking of the blood sugar. Mm. Blood sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gods will be pleased. So has this been your whole life? Um, started when I was nine. So most of it. Wow. Damn. Oh. So what's it? It's just checking your blood sugar. You give it a little dot. Mm. Doing all right. Okay, good. Despite the snacks. <laughs> oh, damn. So, so how does this work? You do it a couple times a day, a few times a day after you eat, before you eat, when you feel a little low, or uh, as a rule, like four times a day. But I kind of go by feel a lot of the time. I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what's going on but every once in a while especially if i'm stoned or under the influence of everything then that's when i get confused because <laughs> i forget what normal is jesus mm. god damn. Yeah, you gotta check mm. a little more often you're like mm -hmm. i might be very confused here mm -hmm. damn i can't imagine ketamine and and testing your blood sugar would mix very well I yeah. mean, it's a very confusing state of mind. I get confused about who the fuck I even am. I can't imagine having to do something consequential. I even feel bad when you have to take your contacts out and shit. <laughs> like, whew. Yeah, it's tough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when we when we first got over here, you were telling me what might be the most scathing indictment of American society I can think of. You're like, yeah, I'm thinking about living over in Europe because insulin is cheap there and it's kind of changed my life. It's free in Wales where I was like that was the biggest night and day shift in my transcontinental move in the midst of the pandemic. Mm. My farewell to America was me arguing tearfully with um, the receptionist at the clinic where I had been going for seven years in Portland to get my insulin every month. Um, and I had an appointment scheduled that day to see my doctor to get my prescription renewed because my prescription expires, which it does, which is so stupid because it's like, it I have crazy. a lifelong <laughs> illness. Like, yeah. let me know when you cure diabetes and I'll let you know when I don't need <laughs> insulin anymore. But <laughs> wow. no, no, you need to go in once every three months and get your prescription renewed. So it was one of those times and the world was shutting down. I had to rebook my ticket because it had been canceled to get to Wales um, to be with my partner to ride out the apocalypse. And I had, um, yeah, I had an appointment scheduled for like two o'clock that day, but I needed to change my flight to noon. So I, I called them in the morning. It was like, the world is ending. I had an appointment today. I've seen you for seven years. Could you please do me a solid and slip me one bottle of insulin across the counter to get me through whatever the fuck this is? And they were like, no, our hands are tied. And I just looked at them and was like, mm, recorded in the Akashic Records, like fascists right here. Yeah. Holy shit. And then I got to Wales and they were like, oh. Of course, we've never seen you before and you're not a citizen, but like we couldn't deprive you of the medication you need to survive. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. How much does it cost? And they were like, it's free. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What an embarrassment. It's, seriously. It's, yeah. it's an abusive relationship with a nation that I've been in since I was a child. Like, yeah. Oh, may I please, please pay you 
for the right to survive. And yeah. they're like, no, you need a prescription. Yep. Well, it, you're very valuable to them. I, I always say this about my sister, Caitlin, has epilepsy. She's 35. She's never had a normal life at all. Mm. And they do this with her medication. Once a month, my parents have to go through fucking hell to get her medication. One of them that's black label, so they won't fill the prescription until the day of, no matter what. And so sometimes they they need to fill the prescription, but they don't have it in stock. And it's like her prescription for her is like means like life and death if she doesn't have it, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um. So it's one of those things that. but yeah, Caitlin's very no valuable. She's very valuable to the system. She's worth mm-hmm. millions of dollars a year in medication. And, you know, it's just kind of like daddy coming along like, hey, your life's in my hands. Don't ever get that mm-hmm. relationship mixed up. Your life's in my hands. It feels like that's what they're saying. They want us to be desperate yeah. and sick and alive and dependent on yeah. the system. And that's yeah. why I'm like, I believe the cure for diabetes has probably existed for a long time, but there's so much of a negative incentive Mm -hmm. for ever letting that see the light of day or having it researched. If it hasn't been discovered, it could have been if research was funded, but like my broken pancreas is the pharmaceutical industry's wet dream. Like they got me right where they want me paying in regularly. They can, crank the prices up to literally whatever they want it to be it's inconscionable it's criminal what it actually costs to produce insulin and then how much they charge people and how much they charge people in this country versus how people are charged other places truly shameful this is why like what we were talking about before we got on here like what you do and the fact that you're so prolific and that you've chosen a life of being an artist is like it's so commendable because you're doing it in the face of stuff that would make most people just cower in defeat and mm. take a comfortable job and just do the thing that they have to do so things are provided for them and right whew. but that's it's like my feeling is like that's when the terrorists win <laughs> you know yeah, when yeah, you yeah. go get that corporate job that you don't want just to have that basic security yeah like that's just for me personally that's a a sacrifice i've never been willing to make it's like yeah i'd rather drive down to mexico and buy insulin there just do whatever I need to do to keep some basic sense of freedom, spiritual freedom. Yeah. Which is, yeah, what we were talking about before, like the things that we all do (laughs) (laughs) behind closed doors that don't make it onto the Instagram grid of the the secret sources of income. (laughs) Well, well, which is sad because I think like, People certainly look at our life and be like, oh, you're so charmed and blessed. And like, like mm. you don't know what we got to do. Right. You have no idea. I can't talk about what we have to do to make right. ends meet. Right. <laughs> you know? Samesies. And, <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's doing all of us and everyone a disservice because the truth of our lives are either we are struggling and engaging in illicit illegal activities to fund our dreams or we come from trust funds and mm-hmm. have never had to struggle with any of that. And I think both like maintaining the illusion that anyone is actually just like making a living from art. It's yeah. like so damaging. It is. It really is. Cause I've been under that illusion for m- most of my life until r- like recently, you know, it's been sort of a rolling revelation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, Oh, there you don't actually ever get there yeah. meeting people that from afar I thought like oh they've made it like yeah. they've got it going on and like y- you know to be honest like y'all were among those people too yeah. and then <laughs> yeah. like and still are but yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing it's like we are succeeding yeah. you're making beautiful We've made work it in other ways 
and it's just important to hear to get that feedback that like oh yeah financially yeah. we do what we gotta do oh yeah just even just for me like growing up and, and just finding out as i became an adult like the bands i love the punk bands and stuff that i came up with like those guys have day jobs Right. Like this is something they do a couple months of the year, you know, and they lose money on these tours. Right. And so, you know, they, they've had to compromise in other ways. And um, I just, yeah, I can't imagine the, how it is for a musician right now because the, the, just the corporate vultures have just figured out how to get in every little fucking thing. I remember being mm -hmm. so disturbed when I first found out that uh, venues take a, a portion of your, your merch sales. Like, like you know what it like just that little thing and yeah, then it just it just that. permeates out from there and it's just in every little fucking thing and when as as music fans when we go to concerts you can feel that mm -hmm. you can feel the level of like corporate malpractice that's like in the air you know you and, feel uh, it when you buy the ticket and you're like wow how did that <laughs> you know $35 ticket end up becoming 55 you know with yeah. fees and stuff yeah, I just had my first ever and probably only ever arena concert going experience. I went to see Kendrick, who's oh, fun. probably the only person who could ever get me into that situation. Yeah. And I'm glad that I did as a sociological deep dive. Um, but yeah, I, I was shocked and horrified <laughs> by the whole ordeal mm -hmm. being herded like cattle through this fluorescent lit labyrinth and stripped yeah. of all of our belongings and the yeah. drug sniffing dogs and the bag searches and it was like going to the airport but so much worse and then you're yeah. fucking finally in this cavernous space where a pbr costs ten dollars yeah. and the only food available is a hot dog just like a regular ass hot dog that's like 10 bucks 14 pounds it's <laughs> like 17 dollars holy shit wow i thought it wasn't as egregious over there it's bad wow yeah. yeah we've talked about this before we went and saw the rolling stones and i was like nothing ever excited me so much in my life we paid 800 dollars to go see this fucking wow. thing and you're pulling in into a grid of cars the fucking they have the parking lot like completely like so people can't party you get mm -hmm. pull you, you go in it's like the airport you're going through this labyrinth mm -hmm. maze fluorescent the whole thing you get in there and it's like th your dignity has been so stripped of you that <laughs> nobody is in the spirit of this concert yeah. and the band comes out and kills it yeah. and i i literally felt like there was seventy five thousand people there and we were the only two people partying i was the only mm -hmm. person smoking pot like, it was just a bunch of old, rich people that just kind of stood well, we there. we overextended ourselves to go to that show. We were just yeah. like, because he was like, if we're not at the dead or at the Rolling Stones show this summer, like, we, our priorities are mixed up. So, like, day of, I'm like, fuck, I got to get these tickets. <laughs> I, I love that I can do, I have the kind of relationship where I just, I say, I throw down an edict and cast is like, oh, God, I better, <laughs> I better go do that. I'm like, our priorities are fucked if we're not seeing the Stones this summer. <laughs> yes. That was how I felt with Kendrick. I was, yeah. like, on tour and feeling like I'd missed it. It was, like, w watching all the YouTube videos that I could get my eyes on yeah. from that tour I was like oh god I've ruined my life <laughs> I'm missing this show and then I found out I had one day off in London and he was playing that night so I was like oh, yes cosmic. spending any money that I might have made on this tour on that ticket <laughs> so what's his what's his live show like um I mean amazing spectacular yeah. beautiful beautifully thoughtful 
production and um like the, he comes out with a um ventriloquist dummy oh. version of himself oh, like wow. it's all very theatrical and yeah thoughtfully done hidden um, meanings and mm. stuff like that i have to say as a musician and fan of instrumentalists and bands i was a little bit bummed that it was all to tracks like oh. like he was rapping live to like glorified karaoke tracks yeah. but like i get it of course he had dancers which were, who were amazing mm. um but you know as a musician i like i've seen footage of previous tours of yeah. his with live bands and it's like phenomenal i that don't know why just, he wouldn't do that every time i know that's what i'm i'm like if you are kendrick and have that yeah. level of money and resource like wouldn't it be more fun but that being said it's hard times Sometimes you just got to let things be easy because yeah. just rehearsing, right. w especially with such complex music, it's like, phew. yeah, mm. he's got babies, he's got a wife, shit's hard. Well, you know, it's also like with COVID, like how many people you want to be dragging all over the world with you, so, you know, like all this stuff. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're speaking to that though, because I thought Cass and I were just extremely biased or stupid because like I... I like hip hop, but I can't handle it live just because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, it just feels loud and like flat almost like it almost like abrasive and loud and flat. And mm -hmm. I'm like, let's get, let's get some instruments in there. I don't know why I'm only just really, we spent a lot of time this summer seeing, um, what do you call that music? Dubstep. Mm. We were making a movie about fans of it. Mm, and, cool. uh, I can't handle music that isn't like being performed by musicians on stage yeah. I, I just don't know why it just doesn't interest me that yeah, much it's kind of a bummer yeah it's yeah. like if i want to go see a live musical experience i'd like to see it live yeah 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 preferably i want to see everything outside from here on out Word. and not just covid stuff i'm just like like what you're saying about being like herded i just like to be free i like mm. to have space i like to go hang out in the lawn yeah that's what's up yeah it was that that experience for me was like a real affirmation that that's not where I'm trying to go personally yeah. career-wise it's like bless Kendrick and everything about him and it was kind of a beautiful poetic moment of seeing someone who whose music is so counter um cultural like anti-oppression anti the system and all like explicitly speaking to mm. these things um and his complicity in all of it and then you know seeing that experience of like wow here's this force of nature like speaking truth to power in the very epicenter of the matrix of corporate yeah hell, it's so you know? weird really kind of like surreal and interesting but yeah for me personally it's like mm, i'm very happily going back to booking my own shows in alternative spaces house shows gardens mm. farms and do you do your show solo? Because, I mean, it's, it sounds like a bigger production, especially on some of the albums. Or, or Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just honestly, financially, it's impossible. It's impossible to bring a band. Because like, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost impossible to just sustain myself as one person and make sure that I can, like, get from point A to B and eat some food sometimes. And um, to pay people to come with me, just not going to happen anytime soon, as far as I can tell. Well, some of my favorite shows are, like, the most intimate, where it's, like, one person. Yeah. I Like, honestly, it does feel like a more intimate transmission to me. Mm. So I think it's, like, a service. And, yeah, I 
you see the bigger bands and you're like, this is cool. This is epic. Wow. But then you see when someone's like, whoa, here I am with my art. And then you're just like, whoa, thank mm. you. you know? Yeah, it can certainly be great either way. But I tend to agree when it comes to like songwriters. When I think about if I were to go see Elliot Smith, say, mm. um, what would I want to see? And I'm like, definitely just him yeah. and his guitar. Mm-hmm. Anybody else like. Goodbye. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Let us give us some alone time, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just have that intimate experience. So yeah, I, not to compare myself to Elliot Smith, but no, I just think that's the, fair. That's a pretty good. That's that, good. That's pretty good. No, then take it. A, take that as a high compliment. No, no, take that as a high compliment. I think you have more albums than him already. So you know. Ha ha ha! Take that, Elliot. <laughs> He's uh yeah I've I've watched a lot of his live stuff and it's it's so spotty it's like all over the place mm. because he, he was He's all over the up. place of yeah course. but the best stuff is is him by himself when he plays with a band it sounds more um, like like a band it sounds more like a band it sounds less like Elliot Smith it gets buried like the song yeah. the spirit can get crushed just sonically acoustically like yeah. once you've got a drum kit there then everything the volume needs to get cranked so high and it's so hard to hear each other in almost any venue yeah. situation unless you've got like the state of the art in-ear system it's just like i struggle with it yeah. i really like keeping things quiet and manageable for me so so when you say like i want to go back to booking my own shows like so you strayed from that for a little bit and did more of the like having representation the whole yeah 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 i i took the bait like i i felt really solid in my um ideals and I think I had kind of convinced myself because I felt like I wasn't invited to the industry party. I um, convinced myself that that was because I was too cool for it. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be the first to tell you about like, why I don't even want to be invited to that party. Oh but God. then That's I us. got invited to the party. It's <laughs> <That's> very flattering. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, actually, maybe they have good snacks. <laughs> How will I ever know if I don't go? Like if I don't accept the invitation, I will always wonder what could have happened if I did so I did and just proved myself right previously on all counts like I, I the especially with the agents because I'd been oh, booking yeah. my own tours for like 10 years and had gotten pretty good at it I'll say um but the agents were just like ugh. I still haven't gotten paid for my UK tour which I did in November I was out for like well First of all, most of it got canceled last minute by one of the promoters who, like, I flew to the UK, skipped my uncle's funeral to get there, and then found out the next day that, like, three quarters of the shows were canceled, like, three days before the tour started. Brutal. Because of low ticket sales, which is interesting because, like, my agent was like, it's happening across the board. I'm having, like, 12 of these conversations every day because nobody's buying tickets in advance because um, of COVID. Like, everybody's, you know, wary of, like, not getting their money back and whatever. So every all the ticket sales are happening day of. Mm. But the promoters don't want to take the gamble. If eight tickets have sold, they're like, well, fuck, we've got all this overhead and we could end up losing money. So it might be cheaper for us to just pull the plug and like pay the artist the guarantee but cut our losses Mm. so that's been happening a lot apparently which is interesting because i was i was like 
okay, so how do I present this to my listeners? You know, wh- what do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the text that was suggested to me was all about like mental health and like I'm choosing to take care of myself what and it's, yeah and it was like wait what yeah <laughs> wait which they had a press release for mental health issues. it was like it w- <laughs> well it was like an example of someone else who was on the same agency who had just recently been in the same situation and she had worded it like i'm choosing to take care of myself because it's kind of embarrassing to say like i'm the tour is canceled because nobody bought tickets you know yeah, nobody yeah. wants to say that yeah, no. right. so it's like it's actually and there's kind of this you know this moment of like mental health talking about like you know mm. which is all very real it's like yeah our mental health is fucked yeah yeah it <laughs> but, is real but also <laughs> this decision wasn't mine so i was just kind of i didn't um go into the full details but i i didn't try to like take responsibility for it either i was like this tour has been canceled due to circumstances outside of my control and i'm so sorry like the decision wasn't mine and Mm. like hope to see y'all soon but i but i still haven't gotten paid for that tour that was in november i did like i was in the uk for a month like staying with friends filling in the gaps and played like five shows which by the way we're all very well attended (laughs) but yeah i that money is not in my account so (sighs) dead weight like this industry shit it's like i was doing all of this by myself better making more money playing like the same venues damn they're like barnacles on your dream boat you know, like, <laughs> and they just they love it they love feasting on it and they love slowing you down and mm. making them feel important in your life and it's like when you're literally booking the same shows at the same venues mm-hmm. and you're not walking away from those shows without getting paid like exactly. that's, yeah, that would never happen on something you arranged yourself never but i also think there's another element to it um that is going to be awesome for you is like once you've dabbled in that world and we've done the same thing and then you come back like home to what you more where you feel as an artist. I think it reinvigorates the creativity and mm. something about feeling like all of a sudden like, oh, people have my back. I'm in the industry. Mm. Uh, we're getting funding. We're getting this like never sat right with me. Maybe mm. that's imposter syndrome. But it, it just does something to my creativity where if I'm not in the like clawing for my survival mode and it's on me. There's something I think I get. I can get a little complacent and lazy, and the, and the mm. creativity is just not as firing on all cylinders. So I do think there's there's like an element to that. Like when you're in control of every part of your like artistic enterprise, mm-hmm. that's there's something really special about that. I think. Yeah, yeah, destiny being in your own hands. You're like, oh, how much am I gonna show up for myself today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think we learned that from like Kickstarter and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, oh we got to raise a thousand dollars today. Okay, we have to raise a thousand dollars every day for, for the, the next, next thirty days. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this possible? And then you, you figure out a way to do it. Yeah. But we would have never done that had we had the funding, and we would have never exposed ourselves and showed that we're vulnerable, mm-hmm. and shown our audience like, oh, we're kind of like you. We're just trying to get by. We're trying to do our thing. Mm-hmm. It helped gain us fans, and just everything happens more organically. Mm. than uh, what the industry does, which is just bombard people with promotion, which mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if that works. I mean, mm. I don't know intimately what happened to our friend, but we had a friend who was like a very promising young musician. We went and saw her live at this hotel and she played like 15 songs 
incredible. I was like, pa- you're packed ready. Packed room <laughs> on a rooftop in, in New York City. You're like, ready to have your album, your EP, everything out. You could feel it in the room. Like yeah, everybody's like, this is the next, this is the next mm. person. She had like uh, one or two songs on Spotify, but her manager was holding her back, like wanting mm. her to get a song on Grey's Anatomy or, you know, just having some and idea. there's a very particular way to do that. And like, mm. we got to be careful and this and that. And then all of a sudden she moved from New York to L.A. And, and just got swallowed by the industry. Overproduced and all this Overmanaged. That's what you said. Mm-hmm. That was the best way of putting it. She got mm-hmm. overmanaged and no one knows who she is. She doesn't have mm-hmm. anything out there. Oh, so sad. Somebody that is just like, man, the, the, the crop of songs she I had eight years ago were great. Hers, yeah, and the, I c- couldn't hear her. Yeah. And so like I feel, and that's what I really appreciate about you and what I, we try to live by is like make art and put it out, you know? Get it out and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, how has that process been for you like to actually get these albums out there? And I mean, how long have you, how long has this been for you? And it's, what do you have, six albums or Three something? Three in the past two years. Something like that. Crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a huge feat, you know? to to keep producing music and sharing it and booking tours and going on tour like mm. it's uh not to i just hope you don't lose sight of that ever mm. <laughs> thank you yeah it's i guess it has been a really hard road and has required a lot of commitment but then on another level it's felt so inevitable and like i just it's like a digestive process it's like as basic as eating food and pooping it out like i live this life that is intense by the nature of the beast of like walking that path of being an artist free falling in the abyss of this capitalistic hellscape with a chronic health condition and it's like walking the razor's edge of just raw human existence and uh, the feelings have to come out somewhere and I got this guitar so oops there's 15 songs and I, I want to record them and it's just it's just like this natural cycle at this point it's kind of paused like I have one sort of backlogged album from mm. back in the day that I need to finish producing but I haven't written a song in like a year mm. but I think that's mostly because of like absolute relationship chaos and personal life upheaval but also because i've been writing the screenplay that i mentioned that's it's like my creative outlet has taken this different form and yeah i'm curious what that's gonna look like in my life because i at the moment don't have the means to like put it out it's like i've written a ton yeah but I'm like back to that point where I was with music like 15 years ago. Where it's like, ooh, I'm writing, but like, how do you make an album? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I have this screenplay, but like, how do you make a movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you need a lot more people. And that, a lot that's, more money. That's a lot more money and a lot more people. That's why filmmaking is mm-hmm. a tough one. That's why there there is a lot of trust fund people in it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's tough, but it's so exciting because if you pull it off, holy shit. That's my highest excitement. Just the, just, I like fantasize about just that moment of sitting down and watching it play out yeah. on the screen instead of in my own brain. Oh well, then it's gonna happen if you can already if you can already feel into that moment. I mm-hmm. feel like that's that's where your life's headed, and it's obviously clearly gonna throw you challenges in the meantime. <laughs> Here we are, <laughs> dark nights of the soul. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dark fortnights of the soul. Yeah. <laughs> Opening the door in hysterical tears to welcome my friends to record a podcast. <laughs> I hate so to say sorry. it. I hate to say it. It's there is I I can't conjure a more beautiful moment from our <laughs> life. You know, like that's such a like cool. Like this is this is the part of conversation we would have wanted to get to anyway. And you just answered the door like that. I'm like, <laughs> it's that's true. a homie. That's a real homie. This is a real Aww, one right here. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause we it's like a live one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what we're trying to get to in our relationship in life with ourselves mm. is like, how are like, what is the most raw, real present thing that is right now? Yeah. And you were okay, just what's like, what's going on with you? What's going on with things you? Things are hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a meltdown. Welcome. Yeah. Would you like some snacks? <laughs> yeah it's, that's life yeah yeah it is beautiful like coming back here i i feel so grateful for people such as yourselves who are have have that capacity and have cultivated that capacity to be like oh wow she's in hysterical tears and we're just gonna be here and oh, yeah. be really kind and ask questions and we could work this out. Yeah, because I think that's that is the medicine, and that's you know the wound. I think for me is like such an early, ancient wound. Of like, oh God, she's having feelings, and nobody knows what to do. Let's throw some pills at it and hope yeah, she yeah. shuts up. And you know, like mm. all that that bleeding heart has ever wanted is just for it to be okay that it exists. You know, yeah. just to be met with like. That's okay, you yeah. know. Do you need anything, man? That's got to be especially hard as an artist to be not in a space where it's not like accepted to express yourself, you know. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you. I mean, I hate to bring everything back to psychedelics, but it is the space that you end up cultivating when you kind of can get to like a deeper sense of reality, where you're not so distracted by your own personal story and thoughts. Mm. You're like, oh, there's a moment here that I can be present for, where mm. we're together, you know, and that's. Like, uh, I think the reason we do this podcast, you know, mm. is like, oh, we're just going to have moments with people and each other and ourselves and share the moments with you. And hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was uh, jealous in a way, be especially when you started telling us what was behind the, the crying. Mm. I'm like, I'm going through all that same stuff. I, I don't have access to that. And maybe oh. it's because I have Cass as an outlet and before it comes to that point. But I don't know. I think it's... God damn. I, I like so much of this year, I wish I could have just done what you just did. Just have the baptism of tears and just like, whew, just like let it out. And, you know, instead it's like, I, I never like catch that wave. And it's like you surfed a, a wave of uh, of grief there for a second. And, oh, you Lord. Know. I've been in the deep ocean of it. If you yeah. ever need any extra tears for your <laughs> baptism, like, we'll get a mail order business going. That'll yeah. be my OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to reduce it to a male-female thing because obviously there's a lot of men who have more access to tears. But I think uh, maybe more traditionally like women have more access i to heard that emotion. women are four times more likely to cry than men i don't mm. know how you would measure that but i heard that like they just have m just more Maybe less four times the amount blockage of or yeah. something yeah definitely uh, definitely hard to say what's nature versus nurture because totally. that shit starts so early with little boys like oh yeah well, it's 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 trying to get the hyper masculine drilled into them. And oh, like, I, I'm like, I can't be a mom. I see little boys crying. I'm like, come on, man. Like, come on, you little bitch. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it gets in there deep. I was a babysitter 
for a while and one of my um families had twins fraternal twins boy and a girl i was with them from when they were like eight months to two and a half or something oh wow um and it was fascinating to watch that developmental arc play out for both of them because when they started you know they were still just sort of like when i started with them sorry they were like baby blobs but even then seeing the way that society fed them different currents of energy to develop in fascinating like the clothes they wear make it very clearly differentiated gender binary and then just walking pushing their stroller out in the street and people would be like oh what beautiful babies and then they would come up and approach them and be like oh what an adorable little girl and then like hey there tiger (laughs) you know just like yeah (laughs) like wow we this is what we do yeah and Uh, we like cut we cut ourselves all of us off into like severed chunks oh yeah i love that currents of energy because it kind of like takes away the responsibility a little bit and Mm. not that it's there's but just like kind of like i have a current energy going through me that's come to me that i'm like passing along and it it is like kind of something so much bigger than ourselves you know Mm -hmm. um and it and it does happen on such a profoundly obvious but also subtle level and that's kind of the way energy is Mm -hmm. like you can see energy happen you can see fire but you can also like you slow down you can you can feel energy mm. and you can hear it and you can experience it and in a way that's not as bombastic as fire or whatever it mm. is but it, it's it's what we're swimming in you know well it's, it's why it's such a gift when someone's being vulnerable and open with whatever their true feelings are in that moment because it allows you to access and process your shit i know that sounds like all really lame but it, it really like it it's a gift you know because mm. we're all going through the same thing for sure and, and i and think w- that's the value of art and theater like exactly. cathartic expression like mm. we go to the theater collectively to have this experience of seeing ourselves reflected back to us in like a like more than human way like yeah. having our humanity reflected in like a superhuman in an way. amplified way mm. Mm. yeah i mean that's what you're doing with your music for sure for sure likewise it's crazy it pulls me into such a um, it's it's a universe you definitely Mm. create a universe especially if you listen to all the albums Mm. there's like a a very textured beautiful universe there Mm. that's just like it's its own thing you Mm. know and and like we were just like uh, to when we're when we're not in that universe we're listening to like the melvins like the hardest (laughs) crazy like other like just crazy like dark forest and yours is like a different type of universe yeah Yeah. you're like the little green pasture in in like this crazy dark (laughs) musical landscape that we normally surf around in that's cool Yeah. yeah yeah i found a real affinity um within like the metal community really yeah and i toured for a while with disaster the Mm. like metal band yeah. and their fan base was so welcoming to me and i think it's just that there's like an intensity and it's like that's what it is it's it was actually really complimentary i feel like our two sets and people i get such funny <laughs> compliments like this one guy came up to me and was like dude when i saw you get up on stage with an acoustic guitar i was like this is gonna suck and uh. then it didn't suck <laughs> <laughs> 
it is probably one of the most metal things you could do is go in front of that audience with an acoustic guitar and be yeah. like, here you go. Have your medicine. I mean, yeah, when I heard you, when I heard Twisted, I was like, whoa, this girl's got range. Now yeah. I'm like, wait, now I am waiting for your more metal album, you know, like it that kind of started coming. dabble on it. But I'm like, <laughs> shit could get hard in a way that's really fun. Like yeah. your range is crazy. I, yeah, I found my scream. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, that, that Kendra cover you did. What song is that? Mm, it's called Crown. Look up her Kendra cover of Crown. There's a video of it. Incredible. Thank oh my you. god, do you think he's seen it? Absolutely not. No. No. Really? I don't feel like there's it's that many Kendra covers out there, especially not like well shot, well performed. You know, mm. making it your own thing. I don't know. We got to tag I... Kendrick in this. <laughs> get at me kenny (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah oh my god the day that i recorded that i was in a similar state to how i greeted you at the door (laughs) day. just the tour was so hard and i was so so like at rock bottom and had this session arranged to do these songs and i was just like what am I doing (laughs) and I couldn't get through it like I was just fucking up and stumbling through and then my manager who's actually amazing I love my manager hi Brandon um he showed up and he's got this very like lovely um just nurturing comforting supportive energy about him and he showed up and I was like oh I need to make Brandon proud (laughs) and I was like okay I'm gonna do this one more time and if I can't get through it. We need to go home. Mm. But I I got through it and like th- was like crying yeah. for the last half of it and trying to just kind of work with the tears and it actually felt so good, so cathartic. Yeah, it's cathartic to watch. Thank you. To yeah. to someone express themselves in a way that like the vast majority of people would never dare to. Mm. But we have all those emotions in us. Mhm. We do. And that, like, thank you for that. Because I, I know that that is, if anything, like, the most succinct iteration of, like, my purpose, my sense of purpose. When I look at, when I step back outside of myself and look at me and, like, everything that I've got going on, it's, like, the very same things that have tended to wreak havoc in my personal life and my, like, sense of mental stability in this world are the gift that I have to offer too. It's like the blessing, the curse. Like I'm fucking intense. I feel things really hard and can go there quickly. Mm. Um, But having taken some acting classes and stuff and realizing like, oh, that's actually not normal. Like most people really struggle to even get close to like a heightened state quickly, you know? But for me, it's like... I live in heightened states (laughs) all the time. I have a hard time not existing in heightened states. (laughs) No, when you were like, hey, uh, I think I'm ready to do the podcast now. We were both like, what? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like I've seen this before for myself. Don't worry about it. Another day, another hysterical meltdown. (laughs) Just par for the course. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're used to it. We, we go there too. Totally. Obviously. Um, but, the, but there is a controlled mechanism, but just having the built in partner that's never more than five feet away from you, you know, mm. it's like it, it gets nipped in the bud before it gets to extreme outpourings. But like I'm saying, I don't know. I think people need that too. That's beautiful. And, and also like not normal necessarily. Like yeah. I think like I've never had that. Mm. I, my extreme states tend to make people very upset or like unable to show up in a calming way yeah i've never had that kind of positive feedback loop of like you're okay i don't know if i'm positive no it's a good thing (laughs) it's a good thing because i think she's a lot like me and like you really shouldn't settle to you have that person Mm. you know what i mean because it it Mm. helps so much like yeah you, know. you were being a little brat this morning and i was not a positive reflection to you i was like you need to cut your shit <laughs> yeah but I, I i know what that means i know mm. i'm i'm fucking treading on thin ice when you're expressing <laughs> that so i'm like all right i'm probably going down a wrong path mm. ate a little food felt a little different mm. and just apologized and tried to reset the energy and mm. i always try to play her sweet i think song. that's the trust Aww. we've built that i'm like if you really need me i'll be there for you but if you're mm. just being a fucking brat i will yeah, not exactly. fucking indulge in this shit yeah yeah that's it's beautiful pretty, yeah <laughs> very helpful yeah, I hope so. Because because otherwise it can become sort of codependent, mm-hmm. enabling and and sort of encourage bad behavior. Yeah, there's there's been plenty of that. There's been plenty of that for sure. You oh. know, <laughs> but it, it I mean it's it's really interesting to how like a relationship issue like can throw things into such upheaval uh in a way that feels like you're cornered and i was telling you like mm-hmm. the experiences i've had that are just a fucking nightmare of heartbreak like a nightmare i wouldn't wish wish, wish on my worst enemy mm-hmm. and uh but like then Cass is like but what how are you doing now and i'm like fucking i'm way better for having gone through that and mm-hmm. experienced it fully and done all the lame ass shit <laughs> that i cringe about now really frankly but like i did all of this stuff to get to like kind of explore this part of my personality that just i don't know it just made me more prepared to be a better artist moving forward so i can relate with more people Mm. you know not protecting myself from this crazy wave of feelings that um like i was telling you the the craziest sensation i got was wanting time to move by faster Mm. because i am keenly aware that grief does it runs out eventually and i'm like i know i'll be fine eventually i just wanted those like what turned out to be eight months to feel like eight minutes. I was just like, I don't care about this year, Uh, you know? And I hate, I hate looking back at that, but Mm -hmm. now I'm like, I'm much stronger for it. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful when I don't have a year that feels like that. Mm-hmm. It, it would be probably pretty tough for you to have a year as challenging as this one you know so you have that to look forward to oh yeah <laughs> this is true yeah i would have to really try to make that happen yeah have you read um my year of rest and relaxation no it's basically about that about what you just said like this woman who's dealing with astronomical grief and kind of just like under the guidance of a very um unethical psychiatrist just taking all of these intense psych meds to try to like knock herself out for a year but it's beautifully beautifully written like Mm. just so 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 good 
So what, the doctor was like prescribing narcotics to try to just blunt yeah, the feelings? Yeah. I mean, it's fiction, but yeah, yeah it's, yeah, the, the doctor's name is Dr. Tuttle and she's just always, <laughs> there's like this kooky, eccentric cat lady who's just like believes every word that her patient says and is like, oh, well, we better up your dosage or like, here, take some free samples. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so true to real life. It's like if you turn to someone else or, or a fucking parasitic industry, mm-hmm. like, like the healthcare system in this country mm-hmm. uh, it, it, they it's do not, not going to solve your problem though there's no mm-hmm. way like it, someone else can't solve it and all they're going to do is do the thing that's most profitable for that industry yep. so like it, it really puts us in a bind but kind of in a good way here where it's like i, I haven't seen a doctor in 12 years mm-hmm. because i couldn't afford health insurance anymore and right. i don't need a doctor to tell me if i'm doing good or bad so i just figured out how to listen to my body more which is like that's that's a quick little sentence. That's a big. It's a big fucking prescription for your life. But you know, um, luckily I don't deal with any chronic issues, and mm-hmm. I, and I knew that, so I knew I could kind of take a stab at it um, on my own. And yeah, I, again, I think I'm better off for it. If I would have worshipped at the altar of Western medicine, I probably would have been put on all kinds of psychiatric things that mm-hmm. wouldn't allowed me to. I've function. even tried to dose them at times. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Come on. I've never taken a pill in my life. Oh, you know? Just one Xanax, Sean. You're driving me nuts. <laughs> but, but, the, but the whole thing is when you turn to people with your problems too, people will do the same thing. They'll do their form of Xanax. They'll do verbal mm-hmm. Xanax on you. They'll tell you fucking bullshit fairy tales to try to fucking make you feel better and this mm-hmm. and that. And like, I don't know. All I can say when I'm around someone going something through something real is like time will heal it. And y- these feelings are a gift. And that sounds so crude, but the feelings are a gift. You know? Mm. It's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> but yeah, it is like everybody's got their opinions and I've been just yeah, yearning for like that that feeling of wanting time to pass. I'm like I just want to like walk up the steps of a monastery and have the monk open the door and just punch me in the face and <laughs> knock me out <laughs> for some time. I just feel so overwhelmed and like so much has happened. And I need to make all these decisions under pressure right now. And I'm like, I do not know how to make a good decision. Nothing feels like a good decision because I'm really depressed and nothing. It's like usually like it's it's fun to subscribe to these little aphorisms like if it's not a fuck yes it's a no yeah and i'm like but what if everything feels like a fuck no yeah. right? then, like <laughs> then you're depressed and what do you do yeah. yeah like when you don't want to take medication you just have to sit with the discomfort and do your best mm, yeah yeah <sighs> i know it, it, that's that's a rough one that's it's really rough but mm. I, I think friends help i think um you know having somebody in your life that you're accountable to mm-hmm. you know and this time of year is just rough uh, too so brutal yeah it's yeah. cold it's hibernation it's i think it's the time for low expectations yeah of yourself and others <laughs> yeah Ugh, the all the social pressures of the holidays just that ex- expectation of like you should be with loved ones whatever that looks like and it's like well yeah <laughs> oh no but that must have been so you were here for the holidays you left and so and you don't really have close people here in this where Um, you're at i have my family well my parents live in poughkeepsie and i was with them for christmas okay Okay, cool yeah 
We know Poughkeepsie. We know Poughkeepsie really well. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't say really well, but... Well, I do. I grew up seeing shows at The Chance. A lot Mm. of my formative live music experiences happened in Poughkeepsie. Mm. Cool. Have you played The Chance yet? No. That's got to be on the bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A homecoming tour? (laughs) My parents just moved there recently. Like, we moved around a ton growing up, so yeah, I'm actually not too familiar with Poughkeepsie yet. Are you an only child? Two bros. Oh. Mm. Cool. How about you guys, siblings? I have three younger sisters, and Cass is an only child. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I feel I feel like um, I'm cut out for, uh, I don't know, interfacing with women well. That, That's uh, the, good. You know, I, I was, I, between my mom and my three sisters, I think I dealt with every possible emotion or expression of, like, how women do their thing. And mm. it helped me uh, listen a lot. And, mm. you know, I, I wasn't prioritizing that house, so. I think I think that was a, I think that was a really good thing for me and really cool. Yes, and it good keeps training. It, yeah, yeah. Just the whole thing just felt like training to be humble, to mm. be just a humble person. Mm. Yeah, n- no one. Uh, we're we're not a big household of like compliments or gassing each other up unnecessarily at all. So I don't know. It's, so it's you got to stand out in your own way, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It it set me up for like uh, not patting myself on the back too much and just like let's get the next one started and like we just put out a film and like we're already deep in work on the next one and brothers can kind of be like that right you know like a little how are your brothers can do they do you feel like they've impacted your artistic trajectory um i feel like my gender identity is very possibly influenced by having two brothers and just being like doing everything that they did and um, playing the same games and just sort of wanting to fit in with them and f- from a young age kind of, um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's the chicken or the egg. It's like, did that cause me to feel like a boy inside most of the time? But, mm. like, in my mm. dream life, in my sexual fantasies, like, in my inner world, I'm often a man really? and have been f- since I was a little kid. Wow. Yeah. That's so that's really interesting. So what pronouns do you use or do you identify differently? I mean, I identify as non-binary. Um, pronouns, like, they, them feels great, but I haven't, like, demanded that of anyone. I think for me, like, I'm interested in the fact that I... I'm interested in healing my relationship to the feminine and to my my womanhood because I think I feel a lot of like internalized misogyny and like I'm like is it past life stuff is it this life stuff I have always felt very uncomfortable with my womanhood and especially like when I hit puberty and started developing like eating disorders dysmorphia and I'm like for me that's kind of my edge of inquiry with like my gender stuff is like what's the right balance of loving myself as I am and loving my body as it is and because mm, I think if I was younger if if when I was in high school we had access to the vocabulary that we do now about gender and like um if I had felt like it was even on my radar to like identify as trans or non-binary I almost absolutely certainly would have. Mm. And um, 
I don't know. At this point, I guess because the way that my arc of develop development, having not had access to those options at the time, um, has played out, it's like, I personally feel like my karma in this lifetime is to sit with womanhood and make it into everything that I want and need to be, you know, rather than needing to change the form, um, expanding the form and not getting too stuck in like anything, whether it's my name or my pronouns or the way that my body looks. It's like, I just want to feel free to be my full self and I don't want to get too concerned with like what that looks like on the outside. I want to just be as an essence, but it's so, it's so um, sacred and specific to every individual. And I like, I think ultimately what's most important is that we all have ultimate freedom to do exactly what we each want and mm-hmm. identify exactly how we feel we need to and style ourselves and do anything we want to with our bodies and love who we love and all of that. But f- I'm just saying for me personally, it's like, I guess the, like I identify as I always have in my internal world as this like, um, being of multiplicity, mm. but then yeah, when it comes to the external, I'm just kind of like, eh. Yeah, yeah. You can call me whatever you want. I think we're of, like, a similar generation in that way. Like, we yeah. leave it to the younger kids to be political about it and kind of aggressive <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Because they're mm-hmm. as as kind of off-putting as I think it can be sometimes. It's, like, uh, really helping move the needle, you mm-hmm. know, oh, yeah. and change yeah. the conversation and ex- and do the expansiveness that we we kind of want to do just by being. They're, like... We gotta we gotta work with the system a bit, mm-hmm. and I try to appreciate that when sometimes I don't necessarily. I just try to appreciate it. Yeah, you it's know? huge. It's huge, yeah. and I feel like I'm benefiting from the ripples of the younger generation challenging me in ways that like I'm like, whoa, I never like I never even thought about that, and like you know, being called out in certain kinds of spaces like. 10 years ago or something and like trying to have like a women's circle Mm -hmm. and trying to do this good thing but then feeling like oh god now suddenly i've like offended a bunch of people people. (laughs) and like the right vocab and everything and it can be really like overwhelming and upsetting in some ways and i think it's 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 our work to like not get triggered and like bless the youth for doing this work of you know ultimately societal progress and like fuck yeah i do not think that like the body that we're born into should have to determine anything about the way that we live our lives or you know and like the more that i think we can poke holes in this very rigid paradigm that we were given yeah of like just disney princes and princesses getting married and living happily ever after it's like thank god (laughs) we're (laughs) expanding our sights a bit yeah the nature versus nurture is so big i mean even the show white lotus that we just jumped into last night i'm like wow they're having like kind of in-depth conversations about gender and Mm -hmm. and stuff that like where why do men cheat do men cheat because they've seen this sort of thing or and is it a man quality or what is this or Mm. masculine feminine what does this all mean like Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to understand how we may be being programmed and to bring more awareness and consciousness to it to not even 
it's not even to say cheating's bad or I mean like obviously <laughs> dishonesty is bad. But I'm like I'm very very loose, I guess. Um but let me not say cheating. Desire outside of a relationship yeah, yeah, as yeah, like exactly. an ultimate wrong energy. Um is uh I don't know, I just like I'm curious. Like I kind of like that we don't know and that we could find out more and that we could discover more about ourselves and I similarly can find myself being pulled more towards a masculine energy and i'm like wait mm. is this okay am i denying my feminine side mm. wait what like because sean and i are such bros man like <laughs> really we like have become like one person <laughs> yeah and sometimes i'm like wait is there i like how do do i need to concern myself with honoring the feminine within me wait am i doing mm. her a disservice i don't think about this this often no but I'm, no, but- I'm thinking about it right now but it, it's interesting because you're an only child and you you were more of a tomboy and like yeah. that that and it's like your close friends were were girly girls, yeah. you know. And it's it's very it, yeah it's it's. But I've always been comfortable in my womanness, but I've also like had a very loving, supportive kind of alternative. I mean, my parents are yuppies, but like I never felt like I just would fight with my mom. Like I don't want to wear those shoes. Like I don't want to dress like a girl, and I just mm. dressed however I wanted and. You can look at every picture of me going back and I'm in sweatpants and whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. Like very early your mom on, still gets under your She's like, show off your body. You're so beautiful. Show it off. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had the opposite, I think, where I was like trying to dress very provocatively and <laughs> my parents were n- not at all about it. Like, Interesting. Wear this extra, extra, extra large Beatles tea and the fanny pack, <laughs> um, which I think that's what I was probably like rebelling against when I did start wearing like ripped fishnets and like non-existent skirts. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, um, Jesus Christ. That would be a rough one to, to square with as a parent. Like. Mm-hmm. Just such a reminder to not push too hard in any one dire- mm-hmm. direction. You don't know, like, we don't know what's going on, man. Like, to mm-hmm. say, like, oh, you shouldn't be concerned with gender. Or you shouldn't be concerned with pronouns. Or you should be concerned with pronouns. And you should, it's just mm-hmm. like, we're doing, we're here, man. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting. And we're on a wild adventure of focusing on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And, it uh, is interesting to think about the young ones kind of, like, plowing out space for us to do our thing. But we don't, like, take on, like, even, like, poly. People call us poly. And I'm like, we're not really poly at all. But it's good that young people are talking about that and whatever and just kind of cre- creating the space that, like, we can thruple around and everyone's like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. Nobody bats an eye at it. It's yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's been a recent <laughs> big shift in yeah. the last five years or so. Like, moved from the very outskirts of, like, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, to yeah. Then the, yeah. The craze sweeping the nation. <laughs> <laughs> my friend works with kids, and she's like, you know what one of my kids, like, a fucking eight-year-old eight, eight said to her? Hmm. She's like, I want to grow up and be a famous thruple. It's ah. like, all Who three of them. The <laughs> yeah, you. It's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, me too. Man. Or be a part of a famous throuple or whatever. Like, I'm like, wait, are there any famous throuples? Where does someone even get this kind of How idea? How do kids know about this? Shit? I mean, maybe it's TikTok <laughs> selfies or something. You yeah, know, I don't yeah. know. I've never even heard the word till I was in one. So you know, it, it shows where I, I don't really have my finger to the pulse. I guess <laughs> in yeah. that way. I'm sure at some point when I was a child, I said I wanted to grow up to be a unicorn, but like <laughs> little did I know, I think it worked I, out. My dream would come true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unicorns get sad sometimes too. You know, it's not all rainbows. They get sad so frequently. <laughs> it's really hard. 
Well, because they're rare. There's not a lot of other unicorns to bond with. Lonely, so. lonely unicorn tears in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always think we're the only one left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. Well, um, I don't know. Thanks for doing this. We really appreciate you uh, rallying and having oh, us up thank here. You. Thank so, you. So thank sweet. You. Like, you're thank such you a, a wise soul. Like, <sighs> you know. I appreciate your vulnerability and doing you. this podcast and everything. Thank you. Thank you. And your new album, people should check that out. Just came out. Check in out October. all the albums, but definitely the new one. Yeah. Lessons for Mutants. That's the one. Came out in October. It's just banger after banger. Enjoy it. Listen to it all the way through. <laughs> Not on shuffle or any of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, stay stay in touch, and uh, we'll put like links to your stuff below this or whatever. Thank you. Cool. And join us on patreon.com slash church of chill. Lots of bonus podcasts, music, all kinds of shit. Peace, love, and magic. Hmm.